Hello and welcome to Motorsport Now. Welcome back again. So this is my second episode of series three after the long break, uh, just due to being super, super busy. Uh, But today's guest is Richard Milliner. This is a great podcast because you can just tell how very passionate he is about rallying. Richard is, of course, the current team principal of the M Sport World Rally Team, but he still gets right down to the grassroots and when he can, he competes and it really shows through. And as I said, it really shows his passion. I first met Richard, I think it was the last Wales Rally GB. I was getting interviewed by Howard Davis with a couple of other guys on the stage at the George Hotel. And I think I met Richard at the bar and he just came across a really nice person and he's genuinely been so helpful on the WRC events if I've been stuck because it has been super complicated traveling uh, with paperwork and obviously he's very experienced with uh, going all around the world with the WRC. Um, so without further ado, here is Richard Melinda. So the first thing I have to say before I dive in is I was questioning your sanity just a tiny bit because I was stalking you on Instagram as I do before I start interviewing people. And I found a post from July and it says here that you did an outlaw Ironman, which includes a 2.4 mile swim and then a 112 mile bike ride and then quote unquote a cheeky marathon I don't know really who describes marathons as cheeky but yeah that's the one I did yeah after three years of attempting it the first year the weather was typically British and they they cancelled the spike because it was raining too much uh when you know you're getting wet in the swimming you know it's bad so they cancelled that so we just did the first year we just did the swim and the run second year was cancelled for covid and then this year I finally got it done. So yeah, it wasn't as fast as I'd hoped, but it was still okay. It was still under 12 hours, which uh, was good enough for me. That's mad. Like, you must, do you stop, like, to eat or rest or what? Do you just continuously go? No, I just keep going. Stop to walk for a bit of food at some point when you're running, but just the biking and swimming, just just go for it. It's absolutely mad. But fair play, that's actually very impressive. I'm not going to do another one. No. <laughs> that was long <laughs> I guess you have to well, you must train a lot. I saw like there's a couple of like leg pictures and stuff, so you just casually swim in. Yeah, I did a lot then. Haven't done as much now because it's quite it's quite repetitive when you're training for that kind of long distance stuff. So I'll just do some more just do some more sporadic training now for like shorter triathlons in the summer and things just to Casual. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're on the doorstep. Got lakes on the doorstep, so it'd be rude not to do triathlon. And swimming's the only bit I'm actually good at, so well, I definitely couldn't swim. Like I can barely do 400 meters, let alone 2.4 miles. So fair play, that's very good. And um, well, I'll give it a go at some point, maybe. But um, so Cumbria has that always been home? Nope, um, from Bristol originally, uh, but uh, lived in. So I went to school in Nail, a place called Nailsley, which is just outside Bristol, and then I went to uh, university in Exeter. And I lived in uh, North Devon near Woolacombe for best part of every school holiday from about year eight onwards. Plus, I spent two full years there, one before uni, one after uni with my auntie and uncle working on their farm, which you may have seen why people keep thinking I have an unhealthy obsession with farming machinery, which is probably true, but it's related to uh, to that. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time farming. Um Still love going down there now when I can, um, but then moved up to Cumbria when the job became available at M Sport, which was 
a bit of a risk, um, you know, being a long way from home. First time really moved that far away. Um, you know, Exeter, Devon was all within a couple of hours of Bristol, but this is five and a half hours away, really. So, yeah, it was a big change, um, but came up for, well, for a trial for three months to see how I got on. And that's closing in on 14 years ago now. So, um, yeah, kind of become half Northern, I reckon, uh, through <laughs> default. But, um, yeah, it's it's a really nice place to live. You know, fantastic scenery. It's a bit tricky in terms of logistics for a World Rally team. We're not particularly close to any airports, but uh, when you're back here and the weather's nice, there is not a better place in, in the UK to live, I think. So, you know, when you've got lakes and mountains and everything outdoors you could wish for on your doorstep, um, it's very lucky to live here. So it's a, it's a really nice balance, to be honest. Well, you said you moved up there. It was obviously a big risk, but you started from what I have read on your Wikipedia page, which I was very impressed you had. I didn't even know I had one. Well, yeah. I did know I had one, but I certainly didn't make it. Well, it's, it's there. It's very, yeah, you kind of got like an action shot where your mouth is kind of a bit open and you've got a hat on and it's quite cold, but it's nevertheless, that's very impressive. <laughs> but um, it said, if it's correct, that you started in 2007 packing, delivering parts for Sport. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. That was the initial role was uh, coming to do that. And then... When I started quite quickly after that, um, one of my colleagues now, actually, who's come back into the company, but left when I started because he fell off his mountain bike and broke his back. Um, he 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 obviously had to have a lot of time off work. So I ended up coming in to help on the Fiesta ST side, um, as opposed to the Focus WRC, which was the original plan. Um, so came in packing and packing parts, going on events for ST Championship to supply parts, things like that. And then uh, 12 months later, I think it was, or 12 months or 18 months later, got there was an opportunity that came available for the coordinator for, the, for that series, Fiesta ST Championship in UK and Ireland. Um, and I went on to do that. And that was the same years that kind of Craig, Elvin, both started within uh, Fiesta STs. So that was the first time I kind of caught up with them as well and got to know them. Um, then I went on, did that for a few years. Then we went on to do uh, Super 2000, came out, and I was involved in all the parts orders and car orders for Super 2000. Uh, did that for a few years, working alongside a guy called Mike Stewart. And then after that, um, started to go on more events uh, and, and help kind of run the customer side of M Sport. So customer drivers on WRC alongside all the parts support for customers with Super 2000 on event. Um, and then after that, went on to uh, do some more stuff with Malcolm uh, uh, around general WRC kind of work um, and customer drivers in the focuses. Um, and then and then we went to Fiesta WRC um, and R5. Um, R5 being the main job when R5 came online, I was kind of in charge of the whole sales of that Mark 1 R5, uh, which again, coincided with taking on more responsibility on WRC side for customer drivers uh, up until well three years ago now where uh, where jumped into the role I am now so I've done a bit of everything uh, I've done pretty much every job that I can think of in relation to the rally team you know been on all the recce's uh, done all the tests p2 tests so private tests WRC tests been involved in pretty much everything which is a good way to kind of learn what goes on and understand everything um, and, you know, kind of think if you if you want to try to get people to, you know, to do the job, 
then you need to have had some experience or done it yourself. So I always think that's a good way to do it as well. Um, but yeah, I've done a lot of different roles here and that's helped me to kind of get to where I am now. So it's been a really interesting and fairly exciting journey through the through the different roles. I guess no one can get away with anything because you've been there, seen there, done it. So really, the I, have a good, I have a reasonable idea what goes on. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in everything, um, but certainly it gives you that experience to understand what's going on. Although the sport develops and progresses, you know, a lot of the underlying stuff remains similar. Um, and it's just to help out, point out things that you've seen that's happened in the past that maybe a new starter or someone still learning as such hasn't hasn't experienced as yet. Um, and just being in that position allows you to to give a bit of what you've seen over the past few years to help them develop as well. So I think it's a good role to, you know, it's a good it's a good way to grow and learn a business. Um, and that's the way I've gone through M Sport. So <clears throat> it's been yeah, it's been it's been good fun. What did you do at uni? Sport and exercise science. So not much to do with what I do now. Uh, but honestly, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So that was kind of half the problem. Um, I enjoyed sport. Uh, I enjoyed farming. And that was about it, really. So I went on and thought, I'll go, I'll go to uni anyway and see where it ends up. Um, and, you know, just did some... I joined the, the motor club down there, Exeter Motor Club, and did some road rallies at night and did a couple of first stage rallies through through people I met down there. Um, and then that kind of grew over time as well. Um, but yeah, just enjoyed that subject, uh, but never really wanted to become a teacher or go into research or, or as such. I wanted to be involved within sport and obviously motorsport and rallying if possible. Um, but thought I'd just take that opportunity and that risk to apply for the job at M Sport and see if it went anywhere and it turned out that it kind of did so um, yeah it's quite lucky but I would say you know it wasn't it wasn't down to luck that I got the position I'm in now it's down to you know just at the time taking the opportunities that were there and and having a, a real interest in the sport all the way through and wanting to progress myself and Malcolm giving me an opportunity to do that kind of got me to where I am so um, I think it's you know achievable by, any, by anyone who wants to do it but you, you have to give up quite a few sacrifices. You know, I went away a lot, never really turned anything down um, because it was, A, a I, I wanted to go to these events, you know, having seen them all on the telly and getting the opportunity to physically go to all these different places and experience all these different kinds of things was great. Um, but the more experience you get, the more people you meet and the more contacts you have and the more you understand about the sport and, and you put yourself in a position where you can you can move on. So I think anybody that wants to to get into the sport and, and get up to the top level, it's definitely possible. There's a lot of roles there apart from just the, the role that everyone wants of a driver. You know, there's loads of different things to do. Um, and each each role has very exciting prospects, be it event organisation to, to media work to logistics travel you know there's so many opportunities to get involved at the top level and that can be a really exciting prospect for people you did come in at quite a interesting year as well coming in 2019 i think you took over as senior principal and then obviously started going and then covid happened that must have been quite like a i guess it was a shock for everyone but that must have been difficult yeah i mean to come in off the back of the two championships in 17 and 18 you know, that was um, in some ways a, a perfect time to take on this role because Malcolm pretty much achieved a lot of things he'd always been dreaming of at that point. Um, and, you know, it was a great chance for me to take it on. But it was a difficult, a difficult time for the team. You know, we lost um, Seb and, uh, you know, we kind of lost um, the other drivers as well. So we're a little bit more stuck on who we are with. a definitely a younger team um, going forward from that. But... 
it was yeah it was a really proud moment kind of given that opportunity to, to do that job um the first year was was all good but then you know covid uh covid came along and it's kind of it's difficult to kind of comprehend what we've had to go through for it i haven't seen it personally as as maybe the biggest it's certainly been a huge distraction of time in terms of look, working out how to do all the paperwork, making sure we can go places and be safe and follow all the guidelines and everything. But, you know, you're so busy and trying, still trying to do well in the competitions that you kind of forget all the COVID stuff. But yeah, it's definitely been a, uh, a period that's taught us a lot and taught us how to probably deal with more problems and get through things and, and realise there was different ways to do things that we'd always done one particular way. And, you know, when you can't do that with COVID, um, we found other ways around it so it's been a very big learning curve for all of us um, but I hope I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat I hope that we can you know in the next 12 months that we will start to get back to to some kind of proper normality after the winter time um, because it's been a strain on everybody um, but to be fair to WRC you know they've always managed to put together a championship with as few cancellations as possible um, and, you know, I think the WRC as a whole has been a very responsible sporting championship in the way they've done it. And, and you know, it's gone, it's gone pretty well, really, considering we're still traveling around. And, you know, it was great to be able to bring uh, events to people to watch during their various lockdowns. So they still had something to entertain them. Um, and, you know, you, you've experienced it firsthand as well. And you know what kind of what we, we go through as, as the WRC to ensure that we can do it properly. So, it's been a tough time, but it's been one where we've learned a lot. But uh, yeah, I really hope we can get spectators and people back again properly because we do miss them after a while. Yeah, it's quite an atmosphere you get when there has been spectators there allowed. But one of the interesting things I thought, because you've done quite a lot of running yourself in various cars and over the years, you said you've you know not had much time recently, but you did your first rally in a Mark One Escort and that must be quite nice for you to have that experience. And I know there's obviously... A a difference in level with you know WRC and doing you know some of the British stuff because of you know the technology change and the cars change but it must give you some confidence like when you're speaking to drivers that you know you can do it yourself yeah I mean I certainly do it more for an enjoyment factor than anything else uh, I mean that's why I did it all at start um and the and the you know the first rally in Mark 1 fairly uh, iconic vehicle I guess and I did a few more rallies with another driver in Mark 1 which I'm still in contact with all the time you know guy down in North Devon he was absolutely immaculate uh, Mark 1 and uh, me and Scott had some really good times going around doing the National Tarmac Championship in the UK and that kind of just you know that was what spurred me on to go and <clears throat> maybe look at this as a career as well um, and I did a lot of navigating in various championships in BTRDA 1400s with Julian Wilkes. I did stuff with, uh, I did Mull Rally with Chris Hall, where we finished fifth overall, which was one of the most uh, crazy rallies I've ever done. You know, that right. was in a Fiesta SP, just because how fast it was going. That was the first time I'd really, you know, we'd really been challenging for those kind of positions. We were first two-wheel drive. We were third overall after the first night. And I think anyone that's done Mull will realise how fast the top guys are going. So, that was a bit of a baptism of fire, um, but it was it was great. Um, and then I've been lucky enough to do some stuff with the top drivers in terms of, of, of co-driving with Elvin on a couple of events like this course car in a in a in an uh, R2 as they were known back then car. Um, and then I've been lucky enough, obviously, to have a few rides on tests with the top guys in the WRC cars. 
So I've I've kind of seen all levels um, and experienced all levels, and the top guys are just another league. You know, it's imp- it's incredible what they do um, and what the cars can do. Um, but then also, you know, co-driving and having fun myself and being involved in the sport is also something that's really still exciting for me. I've done a couple of rallies just driving myself, try and do one every couple of years, <laughs> just to keep keep the you know keep a reality and go back to the. I really enjoy the small events, you know, the, the atmosphere and the fun and all that. And, you know, when you do WRC at professional level, it's great, but it's very professional. Um, and going back to the the more clubman style events is great fun and there's a lot more relaxing and there's no pressure and stress and you're just having a good time. So always try and do that. You know, went up to the RAC the other week on Thursday night when they were up there servicing just to have a wander around see a few people uh, you know catch up with people you don't see very often so I'll always go and do something if I can um, but just with the amount of time away with traveling and and the WRC itself it can be very difficult so uh, it's it's not always easy but it's something that I still try to do as much as possible. Can I ask you a couple of quick fire rounds is that okay they're not that quick like take your time with it but it's not like too too cringy Who's your favourite driver who's currently not competing? Um, I guess it's kind of, uh, I guess the driver that got me into, into rally is, really into rally is Petr Solberg. You know, I thought he was always um, a really great, uh, he had a really great kind of personality. He was really passionate. Um, I was a big Subaru fan back in the day. And, you know, I would say that's what got me into rallying and it's, incredible to know that kind of Petter knows who I am now as opposed to when I first started and he was kind of my idol as such so uh yeah I would I would still always you know have him as probably the, as one of my idols over time because it, it just the way he you know encapsulated me into the sport and many others so yeah that would be the answer to that one what was it was it his personality or just how he drove or both both I think you know he was still very fast he was uh, in an iconic car um, and won, won a world championship. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought he was great. And, and uh, you know, the combination of him and the team and the car and, and which was, like I say, everything that I really got me into that sport is I think why I would say he was probably one of my, my top icons of the, of the sport that got me into it. Is it weird seeing Oliver do it now? Yeah. Um, I guess I guess it just makes you feel a bit older because you know that you were <laughs> <laughs> when you were following better, you didn't have any children. And then when I started working for M Sport, Oliver was knocking around in the service park at about three years old, running riot, coming in and out of the M Sport service park everywhere. And now he's um, you know, now he's a, a grown up young man driving a world rally car. So it just reminds you that you're old, yeah. <laughs> you're not you're not that old. I did see on your Wikipedia how old you were, but I won't say, don't worry. <laughs> Getting older by the day. I must say, actually, Oliver just came across as one of the nicest people. Like, he was just so sweet and kind and polite to everybody. Ah, he's very passionate as well, very much like his dad. So, mm. uh, you know, I think the sport's changed a lot. It's, it's a lot more tricky now for the youngsters because every sport develops massively. But, you know, the amount of work that goes in from young drivers in terms of video prep and, and recce um, precision and all the pace notes and, you know, working before the rallies, it's really different to how Petter would have done it in, you know, in the early 2000s. So <clears throat> I think it's harder to be, to get into the top level now than maybe it was then. Um, but, you know, Oliver knows exactly what he wants. He's motorsport through and through. And 
he's shown that he can be incredibly quick as well. So I, I would expect to, he will be one to watch on on certain events next year. Still a lot of experience to gain in that top level, especially with the move to the hybrid cars. But um, yeah, he's he's definitely got the ability to do well. That's a good point. Actually, this is kind of going off what I was going to ask, but you just touched on how it is hard for drivers now. Do you think, because obviously the cars are so different, you do sometimes hear people say, oh, the cars do everything for them these days. What would you say to that? Um, I think it would be more tricky next year. Um, you know, less aero, um, no no paddle shift, just sequential shift, no cent- no active centre diff, uh, slightly heavier, um, more more power. So, you know, going to be up to 500 horsepower when you've got the, the hybrid as well. Um, so I think, you know, next year will be a diff- definite challenge for the drivers. I'm sure over time they will all become very close as they get used to it. Um, but initially... Yeah, it will be a big change, and I think that's going to be interesting to watch. And and regardless, I think honestly, even if the current cars, they definitely don't do everything for you. You know, a lot of the stuff that would help you as a driver is banned anyway, uh, in terms of driving aids. And once you sit inside one of those cars and you realise quite how fast they're going, you realise it's really not that easy. You know, to be committed at that speed, um, that's not being done for you. You've got to do that yourself, and that takes a special person to be able to do that. So, I wouldn't necessarily agree on that on those comments. No, I did ask Gwyndaf that, and I can't repeat what he said, actually. <laughs> I can imagine. Gwyndaf doesn't swear very often, so... No, uh, he doesn't, but he did then. <laughs> so. yeah. He knows better than anyone, you know. Even if you look back to, to when he was driving, he would probably be the first to admit that it was a huge... It's a huge step up now, and and, and Gwyndaf being heavily involved with Elvin's Bruno crew on the tarmac events, you know, it's uh, he knows what they're committing and how hard they're pushing, and he's been in the car in the world rally cars so yeah i think it would back up my kind of quotes there as well okay getting back to the quick fire round well fairly quick fire round what's your favorite wrc event uh, a few people asked me that recently um there's a couple really i think uh, it's obviously great to go to places like finland you know great atmosphere really busy service park incredible action footage with the jumps um but uh, I think GB was still one of my most favourite, you know, because of the memories that were associated with it, especially in 2017, um, with the three wins on that Sunday, the three championships on the Sunday and Elvin's first win. Um, and I think other places like Poland really enjoyed uh, the area of Poland we went to. Um, you know, Sardinia and Greece have fantastic locations. Uh, New Zealand's a great place to go. Australia is too. You know, there's so many different ways you could rent rate an event and um you know it's difficult to pick out one in particular uh, monte carlo is iconic you're in monaco you know you have all these extra little cool things right throughout the year so in terms of a certain event that's very difficult in terms of a uh, experience on an event like i say i think gb in 2017 was the one where you'd struggle to beat that with with elvin winning the rally seb and julian winning the drivers and co-drivers and, and m sport forward winning the manufacturers you know, that was definitely a highlight. Um, and Australia, likewise, the year after when we won the when we won the driver's title again. Um, those two events in terms of memories will go down for a long time. And what's the favourite event for you that you've driven or navigated on? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Got to think back to some of the events I've done. Um, there was an event that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, which was an event in the 
in the tarmac championship uh, when I was navigating the Mark One, which was called Rally the Midlands, and it went round like loads of different like venues like Myra. Uh, I think we went to Millbrook. I think there was some stately home type places as yeah, well. I think I did that. I think I've navigated on that. It was like a two two and a half day event or something. Um, yeah. In, in Birmingham, it was really good fun. You know, multi venue. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Um, and I'd like to one day do one uh, one of these longer events. Like RAC looked incredible the other week. Uh, that would be great to do. And I'd love to do a WRC event, but. Um, Obviously, that's a bit tricky with the role at the moment, so uh, that's probably going to have to be on the hold. But, you know, not for result, just more for doing the challenge and just for being involved in these big events. You know, some fantastic things to go out and do. Um, and, yeah, I prefer to do less but longer, more adventurous events than maybe the, the shorter ones more often. So uh, I think probably, uh, yeah, my favourite event's probably going to be in the future and I haven't done it quite yet. That's a nice answer, actually. I like that. Uh, there's a couple more, but I know for time you do want to go home at some point. But um, this is slightly more tricky one. I'll end on a nice question. But I, when I so I interviewed um, Melvin Evans, Melvin Evans Motorsport at the Cambrian, and he had Matt and Osh, and we're both competing against each other. And I was like, "How do you find it? That must be so hard." But he was like in the position where one of them might win, so he was quite happy. How do you find it? It must be so hard. Like if you've got two drivers that are close to each other, I I don't know if it's too much of a evil question to ask, but like how do you do in those situations where they're both kind of pushing hard and wanting to do well? I mean, I think it's difficult to kind of really give any team orders as such in anything because usually they all have their own um, agenda and what they're trying to achieve. Um, but yeah, you, you you find it more tricky when you have got more to lose. Um, and you're thinking, especially if you're if you're going for a full championship, you know, that's when it becomes more tricky. For the last couple of seasons, we've been in a different situation because we haven't necessarily been fighting for the championship. So we're looking more for event event results. So really team orders don't come into it because we're just supporting each driver the same and whoever's closer to the to the front on on the weekend, you know, that's that's who's got priority effectively. Um, but next year, you know, our intention is to be competitive and we want to be fighting for as much as we can. And if that involves championships, that'd be fantastic. And then we maybe have to look at it differently. And there's still a lot of situations I haven't had to face in my current role that I'm sure uh, may, may come in the future. And, um, you know, in, in that point, I'll just have to see how we go at the time. And the lucky, the good thing is that we've always got Malcolm to speak to if, uh, if it's something we're unsure of, you know, I'm the first to admit that I don't have as much experience as him. And if I need help, I'll ask, you know, I'm, I'm not scared to, to do that. So, um, um, you know, I enjoy those kind of challenges and those questions. So it's probably difficult for someone like uh, like Melvin when he had the two cars going out because he knew they were both going to be going flat out to try, and, uh, <laughs> to try and push each other on that last stage. And there was a good chance that what happened uh, could have happened. And that's more tricky for him, but you know he's got two separate customers there, so he's he's got to uh, support both of them equally, which I know he will have done. But yeah, that's probably a more difficult situation than than I would have even had to have dealt with. So um, yeah, he he's more than welcome to that decision. Yeah, I mean, I must say I was quite surprised how relaxed he was. I was yeah, but he's got a lot of experience. He's been in a lot of a lot of uh, situations over his uh, motorsport career, I'm sure. So I think you kind of get to. 
understand how the sport works the, the longer you are involved in it and um, you know you can make decisions based on your your previous experiences last question if you could rally in any rally car at any event what would it be and where would it be um well i have to stick on brand now so it's definitely, <laughs> a, definitely a ford uh i would love to do an event in a in a 17 car you know i think it would be just because when i have been lucky enough to go in inside and have a ride and you know the speed and the sensation is incredible so something like that on on a wrc event on your home event in let's say in the forest in gb would be would be a bit of a dream but i'm not sure i'm brave enough to sit in there with a the top driver to be honest it is quite impressive what they do um and the older you get the more scared you get i'm finding so uh, <laughs> i think i'll probably just sit there sit to stick to going in on, on the odd test uh, every couple of years um but like I say, I think, you know, for me, it's more the enjoyment factor. I'd rather go and do do rallies myself uh, and have fun myself and not worry about where you end up than, than want to become the top level of the sport anymore because um, I'm doing that but from a different perspective, which is what I enjoy. Um, so, yeah, actually being inside rally cars is a bit of a different approach for me. That's just to go relax, have some fun, and I uh, don't really mind where I end up. And that was Richard Molina. Thank you so much to Richard for coming on to the podcast. I was very lucky to steal half an hour of his time after a very long day at M Sport. This was recorded on the 8th of December, just to give you guys some context. I'll be back soon with the next episode. I can't promise when, uh, just because of time, but I uh, hope you guys have an absolutely amazing new year. Keep safe and speak to you soon. And don't forget to follow me on my social media channels at Motorsport. Thank you.